0: Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast, I'm today's host, Danielle Lozon, and with me, I have uh, none of my normal colleagues, instead I have some new people, uh, probably that you've heard before on the Pathcast. I've got with me uh, Neil Price. Hello. And Robert Vance. Hey. Great. Uh, So the reason I have you two with me today is because we are talking about Crucible of Legend. Um... We just released this book, like last month, this month. Man, I don't. What is time? And we are. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is and why we have it. And if you haven't had a chance to pick it up yet, maybe this interview discussion will give you the the impetus that you need to go grab a copy of it. Um, so, you know, uh, Neil, why don't you tell me a little bit about your role in what you, you know, you're creating the book. You were one of the developers, right?
1: Yeah, I was uh, one half of the development team along with Monica Speca, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, who could not be here today. And Vance is, of course, uh, one half of the uh, line development team along with Eric Minton. So the original impetus for Crucible Legend uh, is that it's the exalted storyteller's companion. And there's two real reasons it was created. Uh, number one, the Exalted third edition core book uh, does not really have a, a storytelling chapter in it. Um, it there was a, a, a sort of reasoning that people would, would sort of come to the game and figure out how to play it through simply making a character and going through it. And there were a number of sort of smaller sidebars all about how to play the game and how to um, use your powers and uh, some of safety mechanisms in there. But having played other games and having developed a number of lines and having written a number of storytelling chapters myself, there was really a need, I think, in the fan base and among the development team to make a more robust storytelling chapter to really not just teach people how to play a role-playing game, uh, but how to teach people how to play Exalted specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... Originally, the kind of impetus behind it, Um, storytelling companions were also traditionally kind of shipped along with the storyteller screen and first and second edition Exalted. And they were typically fairly small affairs, no more than 30 pages or so, Mm -hmm. um, which is only a a few tens of thousands of words. And that would have sorts of things like here's a smattering of powers of how an antagonist works. Um, exalted core books rather famously typically only have the solar exalted in them as a baseline, but other exalted are in the world and so are other antagonists. And you want to be able to really flesh out the exalted and their factions and motivations and secrets that they may have. And that's, again, primarily storyteller oriented. You're supposed to take that and you're supposed to, uh, create antagonists and you're supposed to use their powers and they're supposed to work differently. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's never really meant as a replacement for a full fat splat is what we call it. Uh, a replacement for a full exalt book. It's meant as a stopgap measure. And of course, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, Oh,
0: no, no. I just, it, this is making me recall back in college. I ran, um, an exalted first edition game. Um, And all I had was the core book, and so of course all the players were Solars, and all of the antagonists that they ran across were just normal people, because there wasn't really a reason to have them fight other Solars, which meant that they were just like God stomping on everything. It was really difficult to make uh, like a challenging scenario.
1: Yeah, so probably the most challenging antagonists for the Exalted are other Exalted. Yes. Uh, Certainly the most numerous challenging. Uh, for, you know, those two sets of of values. So, you have the situation where you, you needed really a storytelling chapter for core 3rd edition Exalted, and you had the situation where you needed um, to explain some of what the antagonists and other Exalts were doing. Because there wasn't really room to do that in the core book of 3rd edition, um, you had a lot of storytellers, and, and I saw many, many people talking about this over the years, Discuss how they knew things were going to change in third edition because things had already changed in the setting baseline of the book. Many many details had changed from first and second edition, but um, they were really reticent to use the write ups and examples of exalted types that we had in first and second edition because they knew things were going to change and they didn't want to. Um, they did. They didn't want to go across those canonical representations or they were like well things will be much better once these come out and uh you know i don't think i'm going to really put anyone on blast here by saying that the the line rollout has has uh been been um
0: going well, slower on than a we wanted
1: yeah yeah a little slower <laughs> th- just a little bit slower than we wanted
0: i mean um, yeah that's 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 not that's not putting anyone on blast that's just a truth
1: yeah yeah um there, there was a global pandemic in the middle of it there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you had this situation where there were there were years on end where people were sort of waiting for these presentations, um, and no one really wanted to give them a stopgap because it's like, well, these things will roll out, and then they they did not. And so, um, it originally Crucible of Legend was pitched as just a storytelling chapter plus what would typically be in those kind of classic storytelling guides. But then we saw a definite need for people who were engaging with Exalted 3rd Edition um, dealing with decision paralysis or dealing with subsystems that they um, didn't always care to engage with or that they found confusing or complex, or um, they simply wanted other subsystems to do things that they that they that they wanted, like a travel game, for example. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. is huge; it it has more surface area than Earth. And traveling games is uh, a big part of that. Um, you have games like like the One Ring, for example, where travel of the Fellowship is a is a massive mechanical part of the game itself. Um, and there's no reason that can't be a small subsystem in Exalted. Um, Exalted has subsystems to spare. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so the book kind of grew in the conception of it to include alternate subsystems and um, ways of running the game to better tailor it to your players and the experience that they want out of Exalted. Um, I'm sure Vance can talk more about this, but Exalted is really very much a kitchen sink setting. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is, again, massive more surface area than Earth itself. So uh, there are many, many different styles of game that you can run within Exalted. And we really just wanted to give storytellers the tools to create that kind of game framework for their players that they want to play.
0: Right. So moving to that concept, uh Vance, you um you worked on Crucible, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um when you you know as this kind of grew into not just a not just a, how do you run this game, but also like, how do you tweak this game? Um, did that help you decide of like, you know, one of the things we've, I know we've been doing, one of the goals we've been doing with the the fat spots that have come out is to try to streamline how certain subsystems work, especially subsystems that interact with those specific exalt types. So. Did that Was that kind of like a proving ground to help you figure those things out?
2: Yeah, it sort of was a dry run on Alchemicals, Infernals, and Gutimians, where there was nothing on them in the core book. Uh, the mechanics really hadn't been thought through. So Crucible is where we really started fleshing that out in the quick character write-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally did the Infernal one, And that means I got to do the first uh, devil body in the game, which is infernals have a power where they slough off their human form and take on this divine, monstrous, usually a giant monster shape, uh, that is their personal manifestation of their true divine identity. And so I just had a lot of fun, both in terms of the visuals, but the infernal rowing giant, uh, manifesting a bunch of floating arms that tear away her face to reveal a void. Uh, And also, sort of coming up with the powers that would go with that, there's one that just says, you have infinite guile. And uh, (laughs) we have never yet done you have infinite X before. So I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, And it also has like some Boss fight transformation powers. It gives you like a new health track for your second stage of the fight. I uh, love that. <laughs> and that was just a real fun thing. And then Alchemicals and Gatimians, it's also where uh, the writers on those fleshed out ideas like the two moat pools for mm-hmm. Gatimians and for alchemical stuff like how they can sort of use evocations almost as charms. Uh, And I think you've seen both of those if you've played Exalted Essence. Yes. Uh, And I think sort of what Exalted 3rd Edition is going to do is sort of parallel that in its mechanics. And of course, 3rd Edition is sort of a maximalist system, whereas Mm -hmm. Essence is not rules light, but lighter. And so with 3rd Edition, uh, you'll see stuff like the Infernal Devil bodies will be... uh, more robust subsystem than in essence, where it's sort of a charm with upgrades. Right. But I think what you've seen before in essence is going to be sort of what you see in the future, possibly with different rules. And this is where we really started thinking about that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I think it's important to note that Crucible and Essence were sort of developed in tandem. Um, and they were—they really have a lot of cross-pollination between the two of them. Um, you know, Essence is not minimalist, but it definitely is more minimalist than maximalist uh, in terms of that sliding scale. Yeah, I feel like
0: Exalted Third Edition is maximalist, and then Exalted Essence is a game.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really meant uh, to be more of a a, a trad style game, um, mm-hmm. uh, with a few more narrative mechanics and around the Chronicles of Darkness sort of crunch level or the story, maybe a little bit more crunchy than some of the story path games. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but that, but, but, but Vance actually raises a really like interesting uh, phrase back when third edition was first being teased on the, the, the Kickstarter um, Dev- uh, infernals still had Shintai. Uh, is what their devil bodies were called back then, and what they were called in second edition. And uh, the team I know has really wanted to move away from y- using a lot of terms when those terms are not accurate. Um, you know, it's 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 a, a sort of an of the term. And mm-hmm. um, devil body was one of those things that we sort of teased out very early in essence, and and crucible and. Um, I, you know, again, this is this is not me putting anyone in blast or being a criticism. I think there's a very reasonable tendency among game designers to sort of not want to pin things down until you absolutely need to, Um, and that, you know, you want to you want to keep tinkering and you want to keep fiddling until it's as perfect as it can be the moment it ships out, and that's a very reasonable design tendency, but it is murder on project management and it you know when you're when you're kind of forecasting things in the future you have to say well okay we, we need something that they can at least use in their game you know and right. i think that was sort of the original psychology between not doing a, a little storytellers companion in the early mm-hmm. stages of the game but it did force a lot of the designers to start really thinking okay well, what what is the rough framework of how we want these these to be presented Right. It doesn't lock you in to, you know, that presentation further down the road, but it at least starts starts the ball rolling.
0: Well, yeah, you know, when you think about something like exalted that has 10 different exalt types in third edition, you know, if you don't have a a structured idea, it okay, I'm going to back up and I'm going to compare this to the new uh, the new Star Wars trilogy that came out the past couple of years. Um, if you have like the start of a story, which I think the Exalted third edition book is like, here's the beginning of a story, but we didn't actually storyboard the other 10 books at the same time. And so trying to take Crucible and being like, well, here now we're storyboarding literally everything, but Dragon Blooded has already come out. Lunars has already come out. Uh, Ex- Exigence has crowdfunded serials is crowdfunded like now all these things like half our books are out half our books are you know unmade or in the process of being made um so when you get to that point and you're like oh and now we're storyboarding you you do run into some weirdness i wouldn't say that's issues but like you said you want you do want the time um, you know, I know a lot of people when we announced that we were going to be doing alchemicals after abyssal's, a bunch of people were like, "Well, traditionally and by traditionally in second edition because there weren't infernals in first edition, so there's no actual tradition, it's just what happened last time. Um, infernals came next. Uh and so we could say, "Okay, yeah, we'll do infernals next, but I I think also while we did a lot of the work here in Crucible and then again in Exalted Essence, we do want that time to tinker and play, especially with Infernals, because they had a lot that maybe needs to be tinkered with.
2: Yeah, and Alchemicals, comparatively, I think their third edition charm set is going to look a lot more like their second edition charm set than Infernals. So it gives us some time to, okay, let's get out the one where we basically know how this is going to work before we do the one where basically we know how it's going to work, but we're going to have to put some more effort into it.
0: Right. It, which means, you know, in, in the way that these processes, for those of you who listen all the time, and this is going to be old hat for you, but for those of you who only listen to our Exalted episodes, hi, welcome. Um, the <laughs> The way that we do production on these books is, you know, when when the team is working on, you know, like abyssals, abyssals are being worked on actively at the moment, but I've already got the team thinking about and working towards what is our chemicals going to look like. And then once that's moving and, you know, we go through that, then like, what is Gatimians look like? What is infernals look like? We have those conversations while the other books are being worked on for two reasons one because we want to let those ideas cook and we don't want to do it while writers are writing we need to do it before writers are writing um and so and also developers are doing nothing but sitting on their thumbs while writers are writing um that's not 100 percent true because our like vance and elliot and now, like Chaz and some of the other folks who are developing for uh, Exalted are like just back to back books. So while well, writers are writing, like I think you're like doing art notes for sidereals right now. Yep. Um, so, like, it's not 100% true, but the, the idea is that you have other things that we could be doing while the authors are working on one book. We could be thinking about another. It's also why we wind up trying to have. Teams. Um, you know, Neil, you worked on Crucible, but you also worked on the third edition core and you also worked on Essence.
1: I famously did not work on the third edition core. I
0: thought you started to work on it and then got kicked off.
1: Oh no, oh no, no.
0: (laughs) They just they just kicked you out before that even happened. Amazing.
1: It was more of a it was more of a you can't fire me, I quit before that.
0: Ah, that's right, that's right. I do remember that story. I, I not a story we need to rehash here, but yes, Vance, you worked on third edition, though, right? The core. I did. Okay, I'm not I'm not totally making things up in my head, but like we we have like a a group chat in a Discord where all the developers kind of chat with each other, and we do kind of pass ideas around and kind of like like a little shiny ball, all examine it and take a look at it uh, before things go on to book stages.
1: Right. And yeah, Crucible was done with a, with a, with a slightly different team, um, than, you know, a a lot of cross-pollination and a lot of the same names that you'll see and everything was done in communication. Um, there are some things that I think fans think are rough edges, but in some ways, in some ways they're really not. Um, there was some, uh, there was some feedback after we released the early backer, or, or I'm sorry, the early advanced PDF for Crucible, saying, "Hey, this, uh, you know, these couple of lines here don't quite jive with what's in the sidereal fat splat." And I think a lot of fans were expecting a sort of perfect harmony, but um, a lot of those little differences are actually somewhat deliberate, and that's not meant to. Cause dissonance to them. It's because Crucible is itself a storyteller-oriented book, not a player-oriented book. And right. many of the fat splats. Um, I, I don't know if that's still the term we use for them, but I'm just going to keep. Yeah, doing it it, it it's, is. It's been it's of. been twenty. It's been twenty years at this point. I'm I'm not going <laughs> to stop. Um, you call it whatever you want, Neil. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the fat splats have um, uh, a, a a very. Um, a a very player-oriented tone or more of an objective, encyclopedic tone uh, towards the world. And this is Trucible. uh, Something else a lot of folks picked up on is that it has a much more breezy, casual tone speaking directly to the reader. Um, And that's because it's a storyteller's book. And um, you don't need to know the the thousands and thousands of words that the Sidereals book says about the relationship between the, the, the gold and bronze factions and the myriad different ways that they, you know, sometimes cross each other, but sometimes work together and sometimes don't. Um, you, you know, if the, the storyteller really needs to know, hey, there's two big factions. They don't actively try to kill one another, but they don't not not try to kill each other once in a while um and some people were like well but but they don't and it's like no the, you know if, if you're just picking up the core book and this that's what you need to know um right. if you want to know more pick up the larger book um there was a there, there was an old game design story that was told to me by the writers of the first new world of darkness book and i'll i'll recount it here um and i, I told it once or twice on the podcast before but essentially uh people who played the old World of Darkness um, back back before 2004, uh, there was a sort of mechanical um, way of doing things. You had a nature and demeanor and mm. you regained willpower through your nature, um, but mm. it was never really a constant design. Some natures were like, regain willpower on a day that ends in Y. And another one was like, regain a point of willpower when you fight God um, yeah. Yeah. And, and win. And it's like, okay, one of these is going to happen a lot more often than the other. and.
0: I mean, I fight God every yeah. day that ends in, Y.
1: yeah <laughs> um, so you're just you're just churning out willpower, you're just a willpower machine um, yeah. but you know but but uh willpower was a precious resource in old world darkness, but a new world darkness system, you were meant to spend willpower constantly and you were meant to chase after your your virtue and vice is what they were called back then uh, to regenerate willpower um but everyone coming from the old system still kind of thought it worked one way and didn't interact with the system that way, and there was a lot of dissonance. Mm-hmm. And one of the writers looked at me and he said, you know, if we just put a sidebar in there, um, speaking directly to the reader, being like, hey, this is, this is the core gameplay loop. This is what you were supposed to be doing. Um, then a lot of people would have just gotten it because you're speaking directly to them. And so the advice I took from that was... was when you're when you're writing a storytelling chapter or you're talking about how the game is supposed to be played, don't be afraid to just say directly to them, this is how you're supposed to play the game. You don't have to play it that way, but this is how we designed it to work. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I think that it's, you know, kind of an interesting thing to say that because I think a lot of games don't examine themselves strongly enough in the, the text, textually, even if the... Even if the person writing the game, the designer knows what the ca- gameplay loop is supposed to be and knows what you're supposed to do, the text itself doesn't examine itself well enough to convey that. And I think that's a I think that's a thing that a lot of games, they have an assumption that, like, oh well, the mechanics will explain what the core game play loop is or the you know people will pick it up as they play through it, it will, you know, it'll will emerge through, naturally through play, where if you were just up front in the introduction and be like, hey, this is what this game is and this is what you do and this is how the, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. But this is the loop. Then, like, n- no one misses it.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, Exalted itself has, has always, since first edition, sort of been a, a prime example of this sort of thing. A lot of people really love, for example, Jenna Moran's amazing work on Sidereal's first edition. Um, where Sidereals had these weird esoteric powers that only worked in certain circumstances, you know, on on days that don't end in Y, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so um, you, the, the core gameplay loop of Sidereals, to, to be very, you know, reduc- reductivist about the whole thing, it was to play these sort of special agents of heaven who had to engineer things into esoteric circumstances and engineer events so that they could hit their super powerful button and hit their super powerful uh powers and and, and work uh work their magic as it were um it, it, that was the core gameplay loop and that wasn't written anywhere it was just sort of emergent property and it's really well done but um you can't always rely on that kind of emergent property to to emerge without directly saying it to someone Um, And I think, you know, again, the third edition core book was written with that kind of intention and it didn't land quite as well. And I'm not even sure it landed very well in first edition sidereals because many, many people for many years were like, how do I play this game? And it's like, well,
0: yeah, I mean, it right. Uh, You know, and I think Vance can talk, speak to this a little bit where it's like, if you don't I'm not. Not going to say bad things about our fans, because I love our fans, but sometimes when you read a thing, you have a way you think it works. And if it doesn't explicitly say, no, this is how it works, then the thing that you have conveyed to the reader is, is whatever they interpret it as.
2: Yeah, all the time with the feedback we see on Kickstarter manuscripts, one of the things I spend a lot of time revising is, okay, I wrote this, I did not write it clearly, and people are sort of uh not sure how to use it. And so, really, I love having the chance to get that feedback before it's finalized so I can go back and say, okay, here's how it is. But in general, we try to now be pretty explicit with stuff. Uh, With Sidereal, sort of one of the perennial issues was, what do I do with them? So mm-hmm. we tried to make the, the book spell out very clearly, here's what you do with them, uh, just to try to fix that part where people were having issues and then let the rest of the sidereal good stuff from past editions flow more freely because of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's you really do, I think, need to at some point just say, okay, here's what I'm thinking, reader. So here is what you should take away from this, and if you want, ignore entirely or change as you like. But this is what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. So um, so we say that like Crucible has the... Bringing it back to Crucible. Uh, <laughs> the Crucible has this kind of tone to it that's like, hey, here's what you should be doing in this game. Um, here is Exalted 3rd Edition. You're running this game. This is what you should be getting your players to be engaging with um i really like things like that when i'm reading when i'm planning on playing or running a game even if i'm just playing in it i really like reading storytelling chapters or you know how do you run the game chapters because often the game does kind of take off that mask of like ooh, here's a game about being a you know a, a godlike being in a world where everything's kind of sort of broken and you're trying to fix things. And instead, it's like, okay, here's what the game is, and here's what you should be getting your players to do. And when I am a player, I want to know that information. Um, so you know, even if you for crucible, even if you're not planning on running a game of exalted third edition, I think that this book has a lot of valuable information because I think it demysticizes some of the Exalted Third Edition uh like gameplay. Would you would you agree yeah. with that?
2: And I think uh there's a whole chapter of alternate rules, optional rules, rules tweaks. And I think that's really not just a storyteller thing, but a whole playgroup thing. Uh There's a lot of ideas where it's one player might say, hey, I think it'd be cool if we use this rule, and that's just something the group can talk about and decide on. Uh, Exalted does sort of follow the traditional hierarchical storyteller-is-the-boss model, but in terms of actually playing the game, and I think some of the advice in the book, you got to remember that it's a group activity the storyteller is a player too and so it's not just a strict division it's a collaborative exercise between storyteller and players and that's why i think a lot of the storyteller oriented stuff here is also going to be valuable to players
0: yeah i i definitely think that's true especially you know when you think about that traditional you know the storyteller's the boss and then the players are kind of following the story that the storyteller puts Um, puts out for them that, you know, while that is a a very traditional way of looking at a game, um, you know, I think Exalted has, by its nature, the players are capable of so much more. And if they are interested in a, a story going in a direction, they can just kind of direct the story that way. Um, so having some collaboration between players and the storyteller really kind of helps make sure that your game stays on track. Um, because there's like, there honestly, in my opinion, there's nothing worse than coming up with an interesting scene or scenario and then having your players either completely bounce off of it because that's not what they're interested in. So like, why are you even doing this thing? Or have them just break it like, in half over their knee, throw it on the ground, and be like, well, what next?
2: I think communication is just essential. Mm-hmm. And hopefully uh, one of the takeaways from Crucible is doing that, uh, it talks about stuff like session zero and safety mm-hmm. rules, which is a good way to sort of get the conversation rolling. Yep. And hopefully that improves Yale's games.
1: Yeah. And uh, the storytelling, cha- storytelling chapters for Exalted have always um, really done this uh, in certain ways. I, um, you know, for to, to, to greater and lesser levels of success, I think uh, there was a very, um, there, there's a, a line in one of the abyssal storytelling chapters that really sticks with me and, you know, saying how Death Lords are millennia-old ghosts uh, with intelligence eight. but you, the storyteller, are not. So if a player comes up with a clever plan, uh, don't be afraid to take 10 minutes to think about something and think about a response. Um, Great. And just that kind of direct-to-them advice, I think, is incredibly useful. And it gives players and storytellers permission to engage with the game world in a way that they still feel it's fair because it's written down in the book. And like I said, uh, for better or worse, a lot of players and storytellers are really reticent to put something in the game that isn't written down in a book somewhere because they don't want to contradict the book or they don't want to contradict something that may be written in the future. And that's part of the reason why why the the game was so constrained and people were afraid to put, Really cool stuff, like Gatimians and infernals and alchemicals in their games,
0: yeah, I mean i can I can definitely see, especially when you don't feel like you have guidance for you know, okay, well, there's infernals, and they're you know set, we have second edition infernals, and I could maybe like hobble something together to try to convert that to third edition, and it may or may not work, and it may be a little janky, and maybe I don't want to deal with something janky, but something like gatimians, where it's like well, I have Literally no roadmap for this. This is brand new to third edition. And I I, I know they're supposed to be like kind of like sidereals. So maybe I could cobble like some sidereal-like abilities, but also they're not like sidereals. They're something completely different. And so I wouldn't, you know, especially if I'm not a person who's a good at, you know, making up my own rules wholesale being able to say like well how does a Gidimian work well i mean i guess they just do a thing <laughs> like plot shenanigans until i see some kind of rule for them
1: there were also some setting changes that came out of that approach in that including there, um alchemicals were very famously uh difficult to integrate into a creation-based game without mm-hmm. doing a, a literal dimensional invasion from beyond um, yeah. and now 20 years later they are like oh they're also doing a colonialism they were always doing a colonialism it just wasn't our mindset back way right. back when right. um, and uh, a lot of people were afraid to engage with that and so there's been a change of third edition where we're like oh there's always been a, a small number of alchemical prototypes just sort of squirreled away in creation and if they're there if you want to use them mm-hmm. um and R- Racanthulio was uh, slightly changed from his presentation in the core uh, and uh, given a little bit more of a sympathetic spin to his backstory uh, so that players would engage with them. I, I saw a number of folks uh, really, really responding to that in some of the feedback after the book came out saying, wow, he's he's super sympathetic and, you know, he, he doesn't like force Gatimians into into uh, his entire war against heaven because he's like, no, you were, you were never given a choice. I was never given a choice. I am giving you the choice to join and you can join or not. Mm-hmm. And you, like people like, a lot of people really responded very much to that. And so it's just heartening to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I think about what, you know, what's interesting about Crucible, what um, what are your... I guess I'm going to ask each of you, what are your favorite parts that if you were going to say, hey, you haven't picked up Crucible yet, this thing's in it, and I think that's really cool, and you should buy it because of this.
1: Neil. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think you should pick up Crucible. because I think my favorite part of it is probably some of the ways, like I said, that we recontextualize some of the stuff that you've already seen in Exalted 3rd Edition. Uh, the thing that's my favorite is that we did the sort of um, two two page spreads for the exalt types that are already in the core, uh, but that weren't really given a lot of fleshing out. Like like um, uh, liminals, I think are are presented in the core, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they're ba- they're barely mentioned elsewhere in the book. And right. here we actually got to talk about the dark mother. We actually got to talk about. Um, what, what they do as a Splat. And um, being able to do that for Gatimians and Infernals and Alchemicals was was really, really cool, and, and giving you the first real look at them. Um, that's probably my, my favorite little part of it.
0: What about you, Vance?
2: I, I also really enjoyed uh, that aspect. The Infernals were, I think, really Neil and Mai's brainchild, and I'm just sort of thrilled with how they came out, especially... That has nothing to do with the fact that I wrote them, but... (laughs) That's an issue. And I've really always been into the mechanical side of Exalted. I sort of got my start doing homebrew charms. Uh, So the chapter of Rules Hacks, which is delightfully called The Rules of Glorious Divinity. (laughs) Uh, That has probably been my favorite part, just because of all the various different things. Uh, If you want to bring... Virtues back into your game, you can bring Virtues back into 3rd Edition. If you want to tweak the Great Curse to make it a bit more fun for your group, you can do that. You can get rid of it altogether if you want. Uh, It also has things that open up uh, sort of a structure for kinds of games that have always been part of Exalted's DNA, but something the rules have never handled well. Uh, generational games with dragon-blooded games that follow multiple incarnations of a solar or other exalted who reincarnate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I personally just, my eyes light up when I see a toolbox of rules.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy the fact that what this really does is it gives permission to uh, players and storytellers to kind of say, if this rule isn't working for you at the table, feel free to change it. And I know tons of people house rule the games that they play. Um, but I, I definitely know that in my own personal gaming circles, um, people were very resistant to house rules. Um, you know, if you if you had a house rule that you want to introduce to a game that you're running, it would be, hey, we're I'm considering using this house rule. And then there would be like a, an hour-long debate on whether or not it was useful, what it did for the game. Um, Like, do people like it? Can we change it? You know, there would be all this discussion around the house rule, either to eventually get it to where everybody agreed to it or reject it. Um, And so having some rules that are in the book that we can say, look, some people have already examined all that stuff, do we want to use this one and we don't have to have that debate of how to make it fit. It's already kind of done that for you.
1: There was a rule that came up um that, w- that was sort of created in the the duel coming up of Essence and Crucible and Vance is the one I think that they really codified it um although although they were they were going back and forth with with myself and Monica but um the the concept of death on the line um mm-hmm. Which is, and I know a lot, of, a lot of games have done something similar, like like Terabancho Zero and, and a few others, but um, the Exalted variant that's in essence is essentially, um, at the start of a combat, uh, if you and the storyteller agree that death is on the line for, for this, this combat, um, then death becomes a narrative option for your characters, uh, and you gain a bunch of bonuses in the fight. But the storyteller characters are also agreeing to this as well, because mm-hmm. again, as Vance said, the storyteller is another player themselves, and so the the storyteller characters also get those bonuses. So suddenly, it becomes this much more high octane, you know, pitched pitched battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I'm I'm playing in an essence game right now, and I'm playing with a storyteller who's been one of my exalted storytellers for the last twenty years. He and I went back and forth, basically running the game, and uh we we narrated the combat where where one of his characters was killed with a decisive attack and after the game he did the sort of traditional lament of oh you know you 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 killed them i I was planning on them being a a a, an arc long antagonist or you know possibly a recurring antagonist and you killed them when i met when, when you met them and i was like well why didn't you just say hey death is not on the line for this battle and he was like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, by, by doing that, you're, you're giving yourself narrative permission to to pull a, a you know, BS fiat escape for, for the bad guy. Like you're narratively saying, no, no, you know, death's not on the line here. Um, and so the players, you know, the, 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 we, the players did not engage in that and you didn't put it on the table either. And it just had not occurred to him, even though it was in the book, because it, you know, a lot of other games don't do that—that that he could just not have his bad guy killed, and not have it be a BS, BS storyteller fiat.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that you know that's that's one of the things that you know we we forget about as players is you know we want to we have been I guess poisoned i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to say into like we kill the bad guys but we don't die and you know having the same thing happen to the bad guys that happens to the player characters you know you knock them out you you know you're stopping a bad guy from doing a thing you knock them out and you know the assumption is is that you've caught them and maybe they they get carted away to prison or uh Et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, and the narratives that Exalted sort of draws from as inspiration, it's usually not just kill them all. Uh, occasionally you're going to have Achilles just dragging Hector's corpse around in his chariot. Uh, but I think more often a fight is usually going to end in one side defeated, but not dead. But the the rules of Exalted have very often made it difficult to emulate that kind of narrative without deliberately making a choice, okay, I'm going to set aside the rules and how they work and sort of change that. And I think just sort of having it as, no, you don't have to set aside the rules, the rules handle that situation, hopefully helps make those kind of narratives a bit easier to tell. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, other questions about Crucible? Uh, Vance. (laughs) I know you we talked a little bit about how, you know, we did some workshopping of I said we as if I had any involvement in this, which I did not. But you did some workshopping of the stuff we haven't seen yet in Fat Splats. And I know that crucible stuff was happening kind of before Abyssals got moving and clearly before alchemicals and infernals and stuff like that. So uh how does that like shape your conceptualization of the 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 fat spots that we're moving forward on are you using i mean i guess you would but how much are you using the the stuff for like exalted essence and crucible to kind of help guide what comes out of the future fat spots
2: so from my perspective uh stuff in crucible and stuff in essence is people doing the hard work for me <laughs> okay i love that um, so, like, when doing Abyssal's Charms, I was drawing inspiration both from stuff that was in 2E, I think they had some really killer stuff there, mm-hmm. uh, but also some of the totally new stuff that was in their Essence Charm set for the first time. Uh, I think Crucible is where, for Abyssal's, we nailed down the concept of the chivalry of death. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. mentioned in the core book, but it there is not really, uh... A fleshed out thing it is part of their cool gothic mystique but there's not really a how would you do this in play
0: mm-hmm. and
2: so we sort of nailed it down here uh and then as we were doing abyssals we refine it more and ultimately i think the timeline uh aligned so that we were able to then take the crucible stuff on the chivalry of death and tweak it just slightly to incorporate some of the refinements from Abyssal's, which I thought was very neat. Alchemicals has some stuff going forward that's like, okay, they can play with evocations in a way that no other exalt type can. They can almost socket them like they were charms. And so I sort of sat down and thought, hey, what does that look like mechanically?
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then I figured out what that looks like mechanically. <laughs> Uh, So it's just uh, a very good springboard that has helped me really going forward, not just in Abyssal's, but really everything to come. Yeah,
1: great. Uh, Vance is being very kind. The way that actually happened was Vance is like, please don't put that in there. And I said, I'm going to put this in here, Vance. And Vance is like, (laughs) great, now I have to deal with it.
2: Neil enjoys mischief.
0: I mean, don't we all a little bit?
2: That is very true.
1: Well, yeah. it's already in print, so figure, too, figure it
0: out. Too late, suckers! <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I have uh, I have determined that uh, I I have this kind of ability as the uh, exalted in-house developer that I could go into text and just kind of tweak things if I wanted to. Not that I would do that thing. Um... But I do want to like sneak in some kind of like reference to something, and then Vance be like, "D, why did you do that?" I'll be like, "It's in print already, motherfucker." You do <laughs> have to sneak that in. <laughs> I I mean, certain things. Like I, I think if, if those of you who are in the exalted fan Discord, I my current Discord handle there is Old Magmatits. And this is because I named a character in the Exalted Essence examples the Molten Expression of Love.
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm pretty sure that's an abyssal that I that I named that. And somehow that Molten Expression of Love made it to print.
2: Well, now we just have to have that in abyssals. <laughs>
0: right. So y'all don't have it yet. So I got to go in and... I gotta add some molten expression of love.
1: If, if you cut out the definitive article, it could very easily be an alchemical name.
0: It could be, but I think I wanted something absolutely absurd for an abyssal.
1: Yeah, well then, well then, that's a title. <laughs> I this is this is a particular bugbear of mine. I I've heard that this bugbear exists. Every 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 other exalted designer is incredibly exhausted with me saying this. So I I will. I, I, have,
0: I have a giant sword of bugbear slaying, so watch out.
1: <laughs> just, just get it right on the character sheet. That's all I ask. <laughs> I will try to remember that.
0: N- Neil will personally show up at your house and check every single one of your abyssal characters to make sure there's a definitive article and that they are named with a title and not and not some worldly <laughs> name that they've thrown I, into the abyss. <laughs>
1: I, I, I joke, I, I, I joke and I, and I think a lot of people think that I am actually much more uh, ironclad about this than I am. Uh, it, it's not it's just you know it doesn't have to have a definitive article. There's plenty of great titles that that don't. It's just a slight reminder that you you no longer have a name. you have you have uh, cast it cast it away uh, in favor of a title. And I think people it, it, it's it's one of those things um, and you know if, if we can get back to uh, crucible and storytelling. Sure. sure. Um, as a designer and as a storyteller, and honestly, as I get older in life and I start to uh, do things like data science and law school, um, you know, I start to really realize that details matter. Um, and you, you, you can definitely have a big concept and you don't always have to worry about the details, but when you... Start to put that concept to paper, and you start to give it to other people. the The details, honestly, really sometimes are the most important part of that. And so, just a constant, gentle reminder of you. You know, someone's like, "Oh, my Abyssal's name is that." You do not have a name. You you have thrown your name away. If you claim a name, a terrible curse will come down upon you, or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how the mechanics are. You can see that in the Abyssal Kickstarter, uh, hopefully coming up soon. Um, but something to that degree, but, but, but just that gentle, gentle, like you, you don't actually have a name, you have a title. It's one of those things that it's a, it's a detail, but the details do matter, um, because they reinforce the whole when you put enough of them together.
0: Sure. I mean, it, it is, and it isn't right. Because like, uh, the, the concept of uh, I've cast a name and I, and I just have a title is, is Can be very important to the story of an abyssals, but I would not say it's the entire story of the abyssals. So, like, it is a small detail that can be important, but also if you don't care about it, you're not ruining your game of abyssals.
2: I see it sort of as the abyssals have this archetypal broody vampire anti hero thing. You don't have to play a broody vampire anti hero. But if you do, the game gives you a lot of stuff like you've forsaken your name, you have sworn to murder the world, all this big, dark, portentous stuff that gives you so much to brood over. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to find yourself like, dang, my life is just going great. I do not feel like I am living the brooding vampire lifestyle.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, not having a name is just one more Lego piece that you're stepping on. In the vast array of terrible things going on with you,
2: yeah. But then, if you want to play someone like uh, the Abyssal Clown, whose name I'm forgetting, who is all about a sort of almost uh, Mardi Gras style revelry with her zombie circus, totally valid.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's the, the something fool in red, <sighs> I think.
0: I was gonna. I. I'm so Baldur's Gate 3 poisoned right now. I was going to be, is it Drippy the Clown? <laughs>
1: yeah. Just... Uh, that's the Droopy the Clown, Danielle. Oh, okay. okay. It's a title bestowed upon them. But yeah, it, you know, the, to, to that point, it's, it's one of those things that reinforces the whole, if you, you don't have to do any of that. If you don't want to, you can, you can reclaim your name. It could be a story. You can not even be a story. It can just be a thing. Um, and that's fine. Uh, that's, that's, that's totally the way you want to run your game. Um, it's just one, you know, again, one of those sort of details that contributes to the whole, but it's not an all important yes or no thing. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to play an abyssal who doesn't engage with like death stuff at all, it, um, I'm like, okay, okay, maybe that is a little bit of a deal breaker, but, um, (laughs) you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're practically lords of the underworld. You, you, you need some, you need some death interaction going on.
1: I have I have had some people to, to reference safety mechanisms again. I've had some people like be like, I, I have a bit of a blood phobia, but but can I still play vampire? And I've seen storytellers be like, sure. And I'm like, You really? Like, okay. I guess I guess you technically can. But I think you are I think you're missing a thing. You can just not yeah. mention blood, I guess.
0: Or, or or just not mention it in like de- detail. I don't know. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy lifting on everyone around you if you have that kind of fear and maybe you should play something else. Yeah, but that's also like that, there's also always, th- always the option to just play something else.
1: I, I'd like to play an abyssal who wears bright colors and has a name and doesn't have an evil ghost feudal lord and doesn't deal with ghosts. And doesn't want to murder the world, and yes, and it's yeah. like okay maybe that that's fine, but yeah, maybe something's a little more suited to you, like like yeah. these exigents here,
0: sure, uh yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a kind of I love exigence so much, and that's just a a whole other conversation we'll have later at some point, um where it's like, oh, I want to play something kind of like uh, broody and dark, but not having to deal with death. Let me just find some cool, like mopey exigent to be.
1: Yeah, they're they're the best a- idea in third edition,
2: I think. Yeah.
0: Uh, which we will eventually have uh, conversations about exigence. Where I'll I'll when it's closer to coming out, we'll we'll do an episode about it. So something to look forward to. Uh, anyway, um, we are running out of time, so uh, any last thoughts that you would like to convey about Crucible of Legend?
1: Uh, this is my uh, last exalted book and my last development project for Onyx Path Publishing for the for the foreseen future. Um, thanks, everyone, for being a fan. Thanks, everyone, for all the kind words you said about this book and all of my books over the years. Thank you to all of my Co-writers and co-developers, and those who developed me, and those who I've developed, uh, for for putting up with my my stuff, and thanks to uh, both you and Vance D uh, for being a friend for so many years.
0: Oh, that was very sweet. Now I'm all stiffly, uh, Vance.
2: I can't follow that up. <laughs> all uh, right, well. <laughs> crucible of legends. It's worth your while.
1: Uh, cool. The cure cure for the common Exalted, yeah.
0: You can Uh, see why I'm not
2: a radio personality.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, So if people would like to uh, talk with you, Vance, at all, about Crucible of Legend or storytelling in Exalted 3rd Edition, uh, where would they find you online?
2: I am, uh, I mostly talk about Exalted on either the Onyx Path Discord or the Exalted Fan Discord. I've not been around for a while because life has been hectic. But uh, if you're gonna talk to me, that's probably where it's gonna be.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then Neil, do you want people to try to talk to you? This is your final kind of hurrah. Do you do? Would you like? Uh, do you engage in online spaces, or do you want to just tell people to like, I am retiring. Please do not do not trouble this old wizened grad student.
1: <laughs> no, it's fine. like i said, i'm i'm f- I'm refocusing my life on things like data science and and law school, which I'm doing at the same time because I'm a madman. I'm also uh, writing short stories and and idly working on novels in my copious amounts of spare time. Um, but mm-hmm. I am on the Onyx Path Discord. Um, I will retain the developer title on there until Eddie notices that I still have it and takes it away from me. Um, and I am. Totally open to discussing games. I'm totally open to talking about things I've worked on. I'm annoyingly uh, open to talking about things I did not work on. Um, so <laughs> there, there is that. Uh, Neil
0: has lots of opinions. Just ask him about something, and he will share.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's a dumb thing, or that's a great thing. Um, <laughs> okay. Mostly the former. Um, and since Monica wow. is, since Monica is not here, uh, I will uh, say she is in both the. Um, Uh, Onyx Path Discord and the Exalted Fan Discord, Uh, and she has a bonus, uh, another podcast called Bonus Experience, Mm -hmm. uh, where she talks about game design. You should all go check that out.
0: Uh, She also has a uh, Systematic Understanding of Everything, which is a Exalted Explainer podcast that uh, her and Chaz, I think, worked on, um, that just kind of deconstructs everything exalted they often do an update episode whenever a new book comes out
1: yeah um, it's, if you're curious about any parts of the exalted that's a great place to just look up a specific topic and mm-hmm. have someone explain it to you for an hour
0: mm-hmm. yep uh and then if you want to get in touch with me why would you um i am also on the onyx path discord and you can find me there uh otherwise i think this is great uh i have a thing i'm supposed to say oh yes As always, many worlds, one podcast.